0: Hey, 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 closet busters, come on and gather around. It's time once again to kick down those closet doors of life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens, bold move expert and coming out coach. And I'm going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloseted. So come on, grab a hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into living your truth as we explore more stories, tips, and tricks for living your life uncloseted. Now let's get to the show. Hello, Life Uncloseted family and listeners and everybody who's looking for a way to step out of their closet, live their life on their terms and make those bold moves. And today, you know, we are doing something I haven't done in a while. We're going to go coach to coach. We're going to go late in life, coming out, blossomer to late in life, coming out, blossomer. And we're going to talk about the stuff that happens when you step out of the closet After being married, having children, all that good stuff, I know we haven't done this in a while, but I'm so excited to have my guest, Anne-Marie, on the show today, and we're not just going to talk about that stuff. She's got a whole bunch of stuff that she's involved with, everything from being a, well, she's got a master's in divinity, and she does some stuff in the grief counseling world, and I thought, you know what, as a church pastor and having come out late in life, I need this gal on my podcast because people are continuing to come out of the closet late in life. And anybody who doesn't buy that needs to go have their head examined because it happens every day in every way. So I'm really excited to welcome Anne-Marie to the show. I'm so, so, so glad to have you here, Anne-Marie. Thank you, Rick. I have been looking forward to this ever since you and I had the first conversation because it has been a long time. It's been a while since I've had someone else who does this kind of stuff who brings their perspective, also who is very spiritual, does the grief counseling work, all that sort of stuff. And um, I know we need to keep doing this work. And I'm just curious if you kind of feel the same way, because people kind of think, ah, why are people still married and coming out of the closet? But it happens every day, doesn't it?
1: Oh, my goodness. Yes, it does happen every day. And I I think that There is so many reasons why people stay in the closet. And what I have found, I think because there's such a perceived broader acceptance of coming out, that people later in life are starting to become brave enough to step out of the closet. And Mm -hmm. it's an incredibly complicated process, (laughs) much more than we ever give it credit for.
0: Exactly. And I'm so glad you said that because I hate to say it, but I think we're kind of the forgotten ones in so many ways.
1: Oh my goodness. Yes.
0: Because people are like, well, no, it's the young ones. It's the young ones we need to pay attention to. Yes, yes, yes. In fact, if the young ones had been paid attention to when we were young, we wouldn't be having these kind of conversations still.
1: Exactly. That's right. And I do believe I am with you a hundred percent as a mother of four kids. I truly believe that the young Kids should get all the support that they need and be able to be who they are when they're really young and not have to wait until they're in their 30s or 40s or 50s. Um, But the thing is, is that they didn't have this when we were um, Mm -hmm. young. And so, I mean, even the feelings I had as a young girl or as a young -er, teenager, I was so uncomfortable that I couldn't even talk to anybody about Mm -hmm. it. And I agree with you 100% that we are the forgotten ones because, for example, if you go on some of the websites, the larger websites, and look for resources for coming out later in in life, there are none. There's nothing. And so Um, what has happened is that we ended up, there's just been a whole underground movement of support for people coming out later in life started by people like you and I, Rick, that have come out later in life and said, oh my God, this was such a difficult experience for me. Let me s- find some sort of support group for people. Let me start something for people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Let, let's just even have the conversation because <laughs> I remember, and before before we even got on this podcast, like a few weeks ago when Anne-Marie and I were talking, I still remember when I did finally come out, I thought, okay, I'm, I'm the only one or I'm a very small group of people who've been married and have kids. And then suddenly I get out and I start, you know, socializing. I start hanging out in groups. I'm like, oh my God, there are so many of us out here who have done this. Now, granted, I don't know that it's as big a population as people in general that come out, but it's substantial. And I was shocked by that. I was shocked by how many people are in the same shoes that I'm sitting in and that you're sitting in.
1: Yes, and I think for women, it might even be more to tell you yes. the truth, um, because of cultural expectations upon yeah. women yeah. that um, we're supposed to get married and do all those things, and a lot of us often want children, and so we often think of that paradigm that we have to get married and so I think for um, for the you know for women coming out at later in life, there's it what I have found mm. in the lesbian community, the mm. one that I am in is that it's such a mixed bag. Yep. So my partner who came out when she was 20 years old, 21 years old, is more than the exception, more than the rule. Mm. I have, even though like a lot of the lesbians that I know often come out in their 20s, they were married, they had children, something like that. They came out in their 20s and 30s. Um, you know, the women, women are, with the group of women I'm in, that it is all over the place yep. from people coming out you know, I, I think I really do believe that my partner is more the exception than the rule. Mm. And so when I came out, so it took me three times to come out. Um, I tried back, uh, in 2010 and then 2014 or so. And then the last time I tried in 2018. And what the difference was, is that this time I literally Googled late in life, lesbian, which mm-hmm. led me to a um, blog, which led me to a support group, which is a secret support group. Yep. And finding those group of women who were in, at the time when the group first started, when I joined, there was like 150, now there's 1,500. Mm-hmm. Um, most of us were in our 40s or in our 50s. But yep. how we define late-life lesbian in this group is totally self-defined. Mm-hmm. Because you think about us, Rick, you yeah. know, it's people in their 40s and 50s, but in the generation behind us, our children's generation, it is those people, their friends came out when they were teenagers, and exactly. now they're 25, 30, mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. think they're late in life. Mm-hmm. I would give anything to have been 25 or 30 to come out, but yes. it didn't happen that way. But these, these, these people coming out at 25, 30 think they are late in life. So well, you it's know, all it's so very self-defined.
0: It is very self-defined. I I think you and I talked about this and I've talked about it a couple of times on the um, podcast, but we're going to do it again because good things need repeating. I was so shocked when my book came out. I guess now it's been, I have to think, I think it's been out three years, but as soon as it came out, you know, Franklin, my dear, I'm gay, a late bloomer's guide to coming out. I thought, okay, cool. This is for those people. I came out at 36. So you know, late thirties, but I really didn't step into my own until I was in my forties. And then of course, that's when I found my, my husband, you know, um, pulled him out of the garbage can. Not really, but, um, every time I say found my husband, it's like, okay, what you you know, like just kind of stumbled onto him. But it's when I really realized this work was calling me and I'm like, okay, cool. The book's coming out. I did that. And then suddenly I started getting emails from people, which is not uncommon, Oh, your book has helped me so much. And then the first one came through. Oh my God, I'm so glad you wrote this book because I feel like I'm so far behind the eight ball.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. 24
0: years old. And I'm like, really? Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. And I was shocked. I was literally shocked to hear that because that's not what I thought it would be for.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But now I know yes. that it works for everybody. Now, I'm going to be the first to say that my book probably doesn't have as much information for the 20-somethings. It mm-hmm. definitely doesn't have as much information for the 18-year-olds. But if you, if you read between the lines, you can get some of the gist of it. Because I came out at 19, which that's talked about in the book. But so much of what you then take when you come out in later in life, I encourage people to kind of like look at what I talk about and go, if I do this now, this is what I can avoid.
1: If mm-hmm. I do this
0: now, what? how does this apply to my current situation? Mm-hmm. And I love that you're doing this work because people tend to, I don't know, they kind of tend to go all over the place, but I, I've seen some patterns where they're like, it's always the men that come out late in life. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. I don't know the statistics <laughs> and I'm sure you don't either. I would love to see some statistics of, you know, okay, so how many men versus women come out, you know, after age 35. But I know this, that it happens all the way up the age ladder. I mean, I've got guys coming out at 56, 60. Um, One guy that I know personally, he's in his early 60s, mid 60s, and he's just coming out. So it's so so fascinating.
1: So I have women in this group that um, are in their 60s, 70s. I think our oldest is in her 80s, but yes, people keep doing it. And since I live in Nashville now, and since people are starting to realize that I do this, that like, I get a call every, you know, once a month and I go yep. meet someone for coffee and typically the women are in their forties, fifties. And the last person I met was 68. <laughs> so, and she was just coming out and she just realized that, you know, she just sort of put all kinds of pieces together and realized that she was gay.
0: Well, let's talk about those pieces because I still think it is this bears some repeating. And because you're doing it from your side of the fence, I'm doing it from mine. And I, I still work with men, but I, my, coaching practices, doing so many different things. What are some of the most common pieces you see for women that like, okay, this is why they finally, um, have the wake up call, so to speak.
1: Um, well, I, well, first of all, I think I would like to talk a little bit about what keeps women in the closet and, and then what ends, what ends up happening. That sounds um, perfect. Okay. So I think first of all, there's societal societal reasons why women stay in the closet. Um, I think that women are told from a long time ago, from the time we're children, that relationships with men are difficult. And so, sometimes when women can't understand that 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 we have a difficult relationship with a man, or we can't connect with a man, and so, but we're told our whole lives that it's hard to have relationships with men. And so, for some of us, we can't separate those two things. Mm-hmm. Um I think another thing is that women are so hypersexualized in our con- culture that if you're a woman who's attracted to women you um you're you just think well everybody's attracted to women because they're used to soul, sell every product out there and you know I that was me um I'll tell you something funny I used to go through these mental gymnastics that oh I find this woman really really retru- Uh, pretty but you know I realized that we use women to sell products and that they're sexualized and women are are portrayed as art as forms of beauty so that's just the society and that's why I um find this woman <laughs> attractive. Mm-hmm. Um, I found out from my therapist that straight women don't go through those kinds of <laughs> mental gymnastics, but that was my own internalized homophobia. Yep. Um, I think that there is such internalized homophobia that people, even people that consider themselves as allies of the gay community, which is, I was somebody who considered herself an ally. And you, t- and, you and I talked about this before. I was okay with everybody else being, okay, being gay. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't okay with me being gay. And so that is what, you know, that's internalized homophobia. I think religion keeps us in the closet. Um, I'm a minister. So um, I think religion, especially the more conservative religions really keep women in the closet. And I think that is the biggest reason. I think that's probably one of the major reasons, either what they were taught as children or as they have grown up and raised their own children that religion keeps people in the closet. And that's really too bad. Um, Mm -hmm. And
0: and I uh, find these all so interesting because (laughs) if I were to now back up and go through this from the male perspective, so you started with relationships with men can be difficult. Now, if I could talk to all my gay guys coming out of the closet (laughs) and go, I need you to understand this. So please hear this. Relationships with men are difficult because (laughs) they are.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Also on the flip side, Relationships with women
1: can be difficult. Yeah.
0: Because men tend to be very black and white sometimes in their thinking. Women tend to feel. Women mm-hmm. tend to gather. women tend to make community. Guys, yeah, we kind of do that, but we don't do it in the deeper way. So that's mm-hmm. the reason relationships become deep difficult. The hypersexualization, it's so interesting because. It's kind of the reverse. Men are supposed to be men. We're supposed to be tough. We're supposed to be warriors. We're supposed to be all this stuff. So we are looked up to, quote unquote, and I'm being very generalized here, folks, so please don't say, oh, this is what Rick thinks. What I'm saying is when you're seen as men are men and we're supposed to be this and we're supposed to be that, we're supposed to be these sexual beings. We're supposed to be the guys that conquer. We're supposed to be the guys that screw around. All this stuff also plays to why as a gay man, I'm not who I am. So I've got to pretend to be all this crap. Mm -hmm, Exactly. And that leads into the internalized homophobia, which Mm -hmm. is if I don't act like a man's man, then I'm going to not be accepted. I'm going to be rejected and all this blah, 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 blah. And of course, yes, the common, most common ground that I find is for many people. Mm -hmm. religion and family expectations, even if there's not a deep seated religion, if there's even a taste of religion that says homosexuality is not good, it's going to keep people in the closet. And you know, it's so interesting to hear you list these out because every one of these things, when I start to work with someone, one, if not all those things is the reason that they stayed in the closet and the family societal expectation Of marriage is actually another one that really keeps people in the closet. When you get married and you've done this, you've committed to this, this is what you're supposed to do. Now, I don't think it's so much in this day and age as new people are contemplating marriage and stuff, but I know in our generation, Mm -hmm. that's how you did it. And and for no other reason, you you needed to stay in that marriage. Even if you were miserable, even if you weren't having any sex, even if there wasn't any intimacy, you stayed in that marriage because this is what you do.
1: Exactly. And what, what the other layer of with women is that they feel responsible for everybody. Yep. They, resp- they feel responsible for their spouse's emotional well-being and they feel responsible for their children's emotional well-being as well. And so for a lot of us, and this is me included, coming out of the closet meant that people were going to be upset with me mm-hmm. <laughs> because I was going to want a divorce it took me a long time. This took years. So, but when the time came and when I knew that I was going to have to leave my marriage, because a lot of people do this dance for the first year or Mm -hmm. first six months, year, two years, where you try to figure out how you're going to stay together and live your life as a gay person. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I have seen women do it time and time again, going, talking about, you know, having threesomes and doing, you know, Things that like they things that they never would think about in their their, their try to get their, to stay married um, oftentimes their husbands are like you know I'm okay if you date another woman but it's sort of funny because that's again something very societal because some, being with a woman is seen as lesser than being with a man because exactly. a lot of the husbands will say oh you can go ha- you can go sleep with a woman you know that's fine with me but then. Then, um, which is sort of, sort of very ironic because if you're a gay woman and then you sleep with a woman, then you're never going to ever sleep with
0: them <laughs> yeah. well, but, there, yeah, but There's no. the sexualization again. It's so acceptable for, I mean, <laughs> we're going to go on real cause it's my podcast and we do it.
1: <laughs> Guy,
0: guys get off to watching women on women porn. Not all Ooh. guys again, man, but it, you know, okay. Gay guys, maybe not, but it's, and, and it's just, there's some straight guys that know, but I know more straight men. Oh yeah. I would love it. Yeah. Because it's about you getting your rocks off and okay. Maybe the women do enjoy it, but when it suddenly becomes, okay, it is women and they like women and they don't need a man or his penis or want it. it, Exactly, It's suddenly like, Oh, okay. And in fact, it's so interesting. We were having this conversation this past week um, at a, at a meetup that my husband and I run. And somehow I'm, I'm like sitting on one end of the group and it ended up being me and three other guys who had gone down the path of vaginas, okay? Mm-hmm. But I was far enough away, I can't, I couldn't understand what he was saying to the group that was on his end of the um, table, couch, whatever you want to call it. And finally I said, what do you, you, you know? And he goes, oh, we're just talking about guys who have been with women. And I thought, isn't this interesting? You know, because mm-hmm. we are now in our own little space and I know you've experienced this. <laughs> you've got to become your own little, anomaly within the community because there's those of us who never have been with a woman or never have been with a man and then there's those who have and of course then you have the whole bisexual thing that people get into all the time so I find this so interesting um when people take it to that space because to me the thing that they're missing is it just isn't about the sex either
1: no exactly it's exactly, it's not about the sex. And I, I've actually said that to like my newbies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. my support groups that I run and, and oftentimes I get women like me that have been out two or three years and just want some extra support. But then I also get women that are like months out of the closet or, yeah. or weeks out of yeah. the closet. And there's the very proactive ones that are going to figure it out right away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I say to them that it's not just about a s- sex, it's about the emotional, spiritual mm-hmm physical intellectual being with the person of the gender that I am supposed to be with. And, you know, it's so funny. You were talking about women being more emotional. Well, a lesbian relationship is more emotional. I mean, because the wonderful thing is that I'm also with somebody who can get me into get, get me on an emotional level, but you talk to any lesbian couple, it is, there's a lot of things that you have to learn to navigate together because you are with two people that not all the times because there's always exceptions to the rule B- or not to the rule. There's always exceptions to every story you tell, yeah. but you know, generally women are pretty hypersensitive. And I yeah. find that my partner versus being with my ex-husband, my partner can sense my mood more yeah. than my ex. Like I will be laying back. My back will be to her and it'll be the morning time and she'll go, what's wrong. I'm like, like mm. how do you know this? Right. Because my ex husband would have never known anything was so wrong in a million years. He
0: just and wouldn't. to your point, <laughs> I love this when you know I'm working with my guys or gay men <laughs> in general. It doesn't have to be somebody who's just coming out. They're like, and he just doesn't get me. I'm like, no, because men don't go into that space until they learn how to go into that space. Right. Men do right. not let their emotions show. Men do not open up. And in fact, one of the biggest programs I'm having really good success with now is helping men step into those spaces of being very naked and raw and real with themselves, because mm-hmm. as soon as they learn those things, suddenly their life begins to change. It has nothing to do with their sexuality because the groups mm-hmm. that I'm running are very mixed groups. But this thing that you just brought up is the power of really getting what it means to be gay or lesbian or bi mm-hmm. or trans. This mm-hmm. is not something that is something we have made up in it. Pisses me off. The Christian right and all these people, and even some stuff that's starting to happen. It's like, no, this isn't something we just pick and choose. I knew from a very, 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 very young age that there was something different about me. I didn't just look at men because I admired the man because they were a man. There were physical attributes. That's the reason I'm totally turned on by men with a furry chest. Mm -hmm. It's always been that way. It's always been what I've looked at. And It's also because the guys that typically represented that way, there was something about them as a man Mm -hmm. that connected me to them. That made me feel emotionally safe that I felt like I was spiritually connected to even at five and six years old when I didn't know what any of that meant. Now I do. Now I don't really get it. So Mm -hmm. as you're doing this work, um, I know for me, sometimes it can be very challenging because people tend to not step into their truth and they kind of have to be like, nobody else is going to do this for you, but you. So the more you hold back, right. The longer This is going to take, do you find it, that?
1: Exactly. Right. And I, you know, what I think you're describing is what Brene Brown is working with. And it's called the power of vulnerability mm-hmm. to being risk, to being vulnerable to people. And I do find that I find that women, That are afraid to, I find that women have, I find that a lot of the women that I work with really have a lot of internalized homophobia that that's really the biggest thing, you know, Mm -hmm. and then the second, and then the other societal expectations on them as a wife and a mother and and how they should stay.
0: Yes. And I think this kind of plays into what you just said about the societal expectation, but it's also, Women and gay men, but I'm going to start with women in general. Struggle with self-esteem. so much Oh,
1: yes. Yeah.
0: Because okay. of what society says they are. And it just slays me right now to watch what's happening in our country with women who kowtow and bend over to what is going on as if this is norm. This is how we're supposed to be as women. We're mm-hmm. supposed to take this by, you know, our vaginas and just, yes, men are supposed to, I'm like, no, no wonder you have no friggin' self-esteem you <laughs> Are a Barbie doll. That's just supposed to be a prop. No, be a human, stand up for what you believe, but then you step into the same place with gay men and they set the that, same stuff because you're not the man that people say you're supposed to be.
1: So I'm going to get really uh so the thing is, is that I'm going to just sort of get, just veer off on what you're saying a little bit, but like, um, So, Chris, Dr. Ford, who just testified, um, she's the epitome of what we are told a woman is supposed to be. Yeah. She's married. She's straight. She has children. She is educated. She's gone to Ivy League schools. She is everything that women are told that they're supposed to be. And yet they still don't believe her. And so can you imagine if you're one of those women that aren't one of those things not everything, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's why women are afraid because they're not going to be believed. And what ends up happening is when a lot of the women come out, they, they finally have the courage to tell their parents if their parents are still alive and tell their their spouse or their you know their children. The children aren't as bad as the adults, but they, they're not believed. People say, "Oh no, you're not gay. I don't believe you." <laughs> It's like, but wait a minute.
0: <laughs> there's an interesting anomaly, and I'm sure you've seen this too, and I'm glad you brought up the children. The children aren't as bad unless mm. the adults fuck it up.
1: Well, yes, unless one of the uh, the parents pits them again. My, mm-hmm. my kids were pretty darn good. I mean, yeah. yeah, they had their problems here and there, but generally we're accepting of everything. But it is, inter-
0: it, it is an interesting dynamic, though, because the kids can be totally cool, and the minute the vile bickering i'm going to show you you've screwed up my life as soon as that starts to happen and they allow that to be the children to see that that's Mm -hmm. when it begins to hurt Mm -hmm. because the kids probably especially in this day and age now again i'm generalizing because if you're very evangelical very right you know christian blah 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 no there's not going to be anything that's a whole different (laughs) we could do a whole show on that stuff and how that has the impact but I always find it just heartbreaking. And I have a client just recently that went through that where none of his three kids are having anything to do with him. They range in age from like nine to 16. And it's because the wife and family have told those girls what a horrible, awful man this is, Mm -hmm. you know, and it just, it breaks my heart. It Mm -hmm. breaks my heart because Mm -hmm. what could be better is to show these children, this is the power of being who you are. Mm-hmm. And be 100% authentically who you're meant to be and, and the path you're supposed to live on.
1: You know, it was actually really interesting. I ran into an old friend of mine recently, and um, she hadn't seen me, and so we hadn't talked about anything, and she knew my kids, and she said to me, this was one of the first people that ever said this to me, she goes, what an example your kids have of being who you are authentically are And, and coming out of the, you know, coming out, she goes, it is such a gift you have given your children because usually I get the opposite from not said so much, but implied like, mm-hmm. so, you know, um, my partner talks about the full embrace and the half embrace, and it's really true. And I, and I, any of you people, if any of your listeners are coming out right now, so I got a lot of half embraces in which I told people I was gay and they, then it immediately would ask me about my ex-husband or my children.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> how's your kids doing? How's your husband doing?
1: doing. Yeah. How's everybody which is doing? understandable, but, but, but that's not the point until you get a full embrace. So, yes, my son's youth pastor, nice thirty-year-old woman. I told her because you know it, because it, because of everything, and I told her, and she said to me congratulations I am so happy for you and I'm so proud that you've done this I am so happy and that was the first time I got a full embrace and then it changed my perspective so now when I and that doesn't ha- I don't come out anymore but you know right. the ones the successive ones after that I always noticed when someone gave me that mm-hmm. full embrace and we all we all deserve a full embrace when we come out Is yes. it is so freaking hard.
0: And <laughs> I hope my listeners really heard that because we all deserve a full embrace when we come out of anything. I have, mm-hmm. I have listeners who are struggling to come out and say they're going to leave that, that cushy corporate job because they want to go do something of more impact. I have mm-hmm. listeners who are going to leave relationships just because the relationship isn't working, but they haven't given themselves the permission to do that. So, hey, folks, we just had a power outage. So if this recording sounds a little bit weird, it's because we had to splice where we were. And Anne-Marie and I are going to try to pick up where we were, because what we were talking about was this full embrace, half embrace thing and how people aren't prepared for that. And I don't think most of us are. But then, Anne-Marie, you were getting ready to talk about this whole thing of caring what other people thought. So why don't you take off there?
1: Yeah. And I I think it was, you know, what I was saying is that, you know, the appearance to be good is that in good in the sense of meeting others expectations of how we should live our lives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what keeps people in the closet a lot of times meeting others at people's, just meeting everybody's expectations. And, you know, it is documented that in the, when you hit your midlife, there is a midlife crisis and some people do it in healthy ways and some people do it in unhealthy ways, but some people do it by coming out of the closet because really if I think about it, you know, really my time was probably when I was about 40. Um, but it took me another 12 years to do it because I was just too afraid. Mm-hmm. and of of letting go of other people's expectations and knowing that by leaving my marriage it was going to cause problems and I just didn't want to I didn't want to cause problems for anybody <laughs> but what the thing is the weakness is in that is that it causes problems for me yes and And what I have learned is that I have a friend that has actually done some studies of women coming out of later in life. And it's true for me as well. Fully 70% of them have some sort of anxiety, have struggled with either anxiety or depression. And this is documented. (laughs) This is a study that she did herself. And I think men probably are probably in the same boat. I always had a piece of me that was very sad and People that love me and know me the best have said that they've, they have said that since I have come out, that that piece has disappeared. Mm-hmm. And so when you-
0: I, I believe what also causes issues in this arena is how your coming out journey progresses. So if you come out of the closet and you've already, so you've already suffered with this, like feeling like you can't be who
1: you are. You don't fit in. yeah.
0: You fit in. so the anxiety, the depression, all that stuff plays into it. Right. But then once you come out and I'm going to use the examples of, you know, somebody who gets you know, put into conversion therapy or whatever, or they come out and their entire, you know, their entire nuclear system, their family, their friends, rejects them that percentage of anxiety and depression probably skyrockets because yes. now it's even 10 times worse because now, yes. Oh, everything I've been told that was going to happen is actually now happening.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know,
0: and it's, it's sad because one of the things I believe is all of our rights is to be exactly who we are. Right. Right. Yeah. I always get myself in hot water there because every once in a while I'll have somebody who hears me say something like that and go, well then, you know, the right wing Christians, they get to be, yes, you can yeah. be who you want to be
1: mm-hmm.
0: as long as it doesn't hurt somebody else. True. And this is where I find it so fascinating when I've done, had these conversations with somebody that's very far to the right. And, and I will actually say, so I hear you, I hear mm-hmm. what you're saying. I hear that this is really difficult for you. But how is me being who I am preventing you from being who you are? How does this keep you awake at night?
1: And well, why does it? Well, but but that thing is Rick is that it's like it's just like a religious belief system because it is. what the, the problem is is that is that if you have a religious belief system in which you impose your beliefs on other people, then that that that's just not right. Your Religion and spirituality is for you and how you view your world. And we all view our worlds. We all have theologies or no theology, but it's still a system yeah. of beliefs that we believe how life should be. So if you think about it, heteronormativity mm-hmm. is a belief system.
0: <laughs> it is very much so.
1: And so what has happened is become, it's like it has become Like people think it's just the absolute truth, Mm -hmm. but it's not. It is just a belief system. And so what it it is, so what has happened is that heteronormativity has just been blanketed over all of all over society. And so when somebody does not fit in that mold, then they are bucking a belief system. It's not. It's not an absolute heteronormativity. It's a belief system how things should be. But there's actual ways other things can be.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. And I, and I love that you brought this up because one of the things that I have also posed to those people that when they say, well, if 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 homosexuality were allowed to reign the world, then there would be no procreation. And I always say, but we don't want to reign the world. Right. We just want to be in the
1: world. Correct. That's because
0: right. Because if you would look at history, people who don't believe this stuff, We've always been here. Okay, I may not have always been here. and Marine may not have always been But homosexuality has always been here. All you have mm-hmm. to do is go through the history books to see that. And guess what, folks? The human race hasn't died out because there's been homosexuals. No. It's, yeah. We're still procreating. Heterosexuals are still producing homosexual and heterosexual babies and bisexual and transgenders. The, your arguments in my book. And I try to be respectful it, your arguments. Just don't, they don't work for me. They don't mm-hmm. work for me in my belief system. Just like my belief system doesn't work for you, but I'm not trying to impose my belief system on you. I'm just saying, here's what I believe. And as a human being, I have the same inalienable rights. And now I'm taking it right out of the constitution there. I have the same inalienable rights to be who I want to be as you do, but I'm not trying to impose my beliefs, nor am I trying to cause harm right need at least from my religious upbringing this is my perspective the reason mm-hmm. this hit home hits home so often with people is because somehow if they don't do this if they don't try to help me if they don't quote unquote convert me and heal me of my evil ways then they're going to lose some shit to get to heaven mm-hmm. and i'm like oh, if, no. you know what if that's the way you go I feel really sorry for you because there's so much other stuff you do in your daily life that has taken those other chits for you to get to heaven that you're really putting the focus on the wrong thing. (laughs) Yes. And I know you get this as somebody who is a pastor and you do have done the divinity work and all of this stuff, because it is very,
1: Well, the thing is, is that I don't believe in hell. So that's a whole nother discussion. (laughs) So so we're not going to go down that route, but I don't believe in hell. And so that actually, that's what keeps people in line. A lot of the times Mm -hmm. is that they believe in hell. And so they're, that's what they're scared of. And that's what they're scared of for their family members too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I don't.
0: And what it comes down to, I'm so glad you brought that up. I have a really hard time, even though I deal with it too, in different ways. I have a hard time believing in a power that's greater than myself that the only way I can believe in it
1: is out of fear. Right. And I, I don't believe do that. in that type of power. That's no, not I don't, I don't, don't believe either. that. No. Yeah, and and my, you know, I, I, we'll just call it a higher power because we're talking to a diverse group of people. Yep. Yep. But um, you know, my higher power is about love. Yes. And so that's what it's all about for me and I believe in a god of I believe in a higher power of love. So,
0: and I think that's a great place to kind of bring in this last aspect that I wanted to bring in, in the discussion today is when you can operate from that power of love, Mm -hmm. even though the coming out process is going to be a process of grief Mm -hmm. in my book, you can get through the grief, everybody, everybody can get through grief. If they look at it from a perspective of love, whether somebody passes away, whether you lose your home, whether you have a spouse come out of the closet, you're going to go through a grief process. Right. But when you look at it from the eyes of love and Mm -hmm. start to ask, how is this teaching me to be more loving? What is the loving thing I'm supposed to be learning from this? Mm -hmm. When you start to approach, it doesn't have to be just love, but I like looking at it from that lens because what am I supposed to learn about loving myself? What am I supposed to learn about loving others as I, as I'm going through this challenge? Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. And I
0: know that you do a lot of grief work and I'm just curious when you do this grief work, because it's going to come up. It's going to come up every time somebody comes out of the closet, they're going to go through the stages of grief. Right. And, and so with the grief work,
1: yes, I do. And what I have, so this is the thing is that, so the stages of grief, actually, which is ironically, which they apply to grieving people, but the actual the study by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross was done on people who were actually dying. So I find it really interesting because I think when we are coming out later in life, we are dying to a way of being. Yes. And so it's very true about what she talks about. Um, and so the stages of grief, and sometimes you're going to have to excuse me, even me, I forget them, but... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> there's there's depression anger acceptance bargaining and there's one more do you remember it rick i always tell like i always blank on one of them but i'll get oh, I think to it. it's
0: acceptance the last stage.
1: no i said that acceptance okay. bargaining but there is but the there's thing one is more. yes yeah there's one more and it'll come to me but the thing is um is depression anger bargaining acceptance and denial denial, denial. thank yes. you thank you sir so doesn't mm-hmm. that sound like the mm-hmm. coming out right brother? Yep. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is that so what I tell people, whether you are grieving coming out of the closet or the death of your spouse, because people know these now, these things, they've read about them and stuff like that, is that there's no rhyme or reason to it. And the thing is, is that you can seem, you can feel like you're doing really well. And then all of a sudden be hit by grief again. Um, And so for people coming out of the closet later in life, okay, so you're losing who you are, like how you viewed yourself in the world how you have existed in the world in your adult life. And I think that's the difference between kids and coming out and us when we come out later, kids are what's losing is how they're existing in their future and how their parents saw them and how their Mm -hmm. family saw them. But us, we are leaving how we existed in our adult lives Mm -hmm. and going now to a new life, which is fraught with all kinds of things because we don't know a lot of stuff too. Mm-hmm. And so we're losing that. We're losing, oftentimes people are losing very long-term marriages. I was married yep. 27 years. Yep. You know, um, you're losing how your your children view you and how they relate to you and they find a whole nother part of you. Though my some, two of my children knew I was gay for a while, but mm-hmm. they're losing a whole nother part of you that they didn't know, they that. There's now a different part of their mom or dad that they didn't know, even know existed. So you become very puzzling to them because they just don't get it.
0: Right. Um, But what I always find so interesting about that is when somebody says, "I I had a really good friend say to me, oh my God, I didn't even, I don't know this you. And I'm like, turn to her. And, and she was a good friend. We hadn't seen each other in a couple of years, but she'd been she'd been around as I went through this. And we finally had lunch, and and it was all about her. So like, mm. I don't I don't know this you, and I'm like, guess what? I don't know this me either. So I guess yeah. we have to know them together.
1: Yeah, exactly. And she didn't That's like she didn't did. like
0: that response.
1: Well, the thing and is, what
0: I immediately did was I took it out of this isn't about you, it's about me, which is about you and us. But you, she was so hard trying to make this about her which is the common thing that happens when people get the pushback when somebody comes out.
1: Exactly. That happens. And, you know, one of my children tried to make it about them. Um, But also, too, is that um, you're going to lose friends in this process, unfortunately. It's Mm -hmm. just the way it goes. And I know for not, uh, and again, we're talking about a bell curve. So there is a bell curve. There's, there's, people who lose every single friend and every single family member and people that lose nobody. So, I mean, that's just the way it is. You will lose friends during this process. And so that's another thing that you have to grieve. And
0: that's what I find so powerful is if you give yourself the space to admit you're in a grief process, right? then each time another piece of the grief shows up in a different way. So you're, you're grieving, letting yourself go that you didn't know, even though it's always been there and now you're stepping into the new self, but then you're going to grieve when somebody leaves your, your friendship, your family, whatever. And then you're going to grieve that. Oh, wow. Some of the rules that I used to play by no longer work because now I'm in a same sex relationship. So you're going to grieve some, it's a never ending thing. And I always find it so fascinating when somebody says to me, Okay, so I think I've got it all, I'm like, Oh, hell no. Yeah you no. haven't even begun. Exactly. Yes, you figured this piece out and you figured that piece out. But you know, I, I found it interesting earlier when you said, I no longer come out, and I kind of feel the same way
1: because but I'm just I do out. I'm just yeah.
0: out. You know, well, and I don't feel like it's some big thing. I do it every day. I do it every day in some way, come out to somebody, but it's not like, Oh my god, I'm like, no, I just like yeah, no. my husband and I, blah, blah, blah.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's how I feel. And I say my partner and I, and I just don't even think about it anymore. Yeah. You know, I just don't think about it anymore. Um,
0: and I think that's a beautiful space to get to when you can finally say, I just don't think about it anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah. I just don't. But yeah, I that's just, the beauty. So I really wanted, so for the people that are coming out here though, I want to talk about that just to grief one more time, Rick, is yes. that, so I'm a grief professional Yep. It was literally probably eight months into my process where I was all over the place emotionally, Mm -hmm. all over from from almost suicidal to to you know like falling in love and all over the place and um, like it hit me like a ton of bricks. Mm. It was like, oh my gosh, I'm grieving. Yes. And so you will do this again. We do this again and again in this process. And now. Mm grief i know when it's coming and yep. i know when i feel it like for example this day this year i spent i did not i heard from all my kids but i didn't see my kids at mother's day at all mm. never mother's day was never a big holiday for me yeah. so i wasn't expecting any kind of grieving with it you know but all of a sudden like the grief came upon me and it was a really hard day and mm-hmm. i did not expect that but i also know now how to identify it. So I know that great and it's very, and it's come to the point where, okay, it's starting. It's gonna end now for, you know, probably a day or two and then I'll be over it. Yeah. Now in the beginning, just like any loss, like if you lost your spouse or your, you know, it's longer (laughs) Mm -hmm. in the beginning. But as you go through.
0: It gets shorter and shorter.
1: Yeah, and then sometimes because something happens, you know, okay, so now you're getting divorced from your spouse. Yes. And you know, it's been going on for a year now, but now you're actually finally divorced. Yep. Well, guess what? You might have a bad couple of months after yeah. that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
0: And, and, and I think anytime, you know, it's probably a good place to kind of like bring this like, and, circle yeah. is because I love where we've ended up here. When we try to put everything into a compartment and say, okay, it's done.
1: Yeah, or, it's not. Or,
0: okay, I, I, I'm not gonna experience this anymore the higher power, the universe, whatever you want to call it, they're going to be like, no, let me (laughs) do this lesson one more time, you know? And it takes, it only
1: takes the littlest of things. Yeah. That you don't expect.
0: That you don't expect. Yeah. And and I would encourage everybody. I'm sure you have some words of wisdom around this too, before we wrap up to realize don't get frustrated when you experience the grief or the anger or the frustration,
1: Yes. See, or denial. Or denial. Yeah. Or... Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's a
0: gift of, okay, I've still got something to learn, and this is going to make me a better person.
1: hmm. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I think one of the things I think that when you come out to is that, you know, well, um, friends of mine have compared it to crossing a river and in the sense that you start crossing the river and you okay so you started coming out to a bunch of people and stuff like that and then all of a sudden you can't go back Mm -hmm. to the other side of your Mm -hmm. to your straight life you just can't and so now you're in this middle of this raging river and you have to get across Mm -hmm. so like now I feel like I'm across the river because the pieces that like Okay, I've accepted that I'm a gay woman. I have mm-hmm. accepted that things are now in, in, irrevocably, excuse me, yes. changed. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not going to go back to anything and nor do I want to. I have no desire to go back to that life at all. But things have changed and so now I'm I am across the river, but I'm still hit with grief once in a while and it just just shows up and guess what grief is a part of any normal loss so if you are coming out um i want to wait a minute let me rephrase that grief is a part of loss and that is normal there's no normal loss but grief is a part of loss and that is uh, that is just very normal so even if you're making a major change in your life that has nothing to do with coming out but you're making a major change you will have pieces of grief in that journey and it's okay to grieve and it's okay to say i feel sad i feel angry i feel depressed i feel i don't know if this is i really can do this you're trying to deny it it's okay to feel all those feelings absolutely and and you'll get, and you will get through them. The, the trick is, Rick, and I think you understand this is real as well, is that you actually have to feel the feelings. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's how yeah, There's
0: no, there's no avoiding. <laughs> that's for, no. Sure. Uh, that's yeah. for sure. And the more you try to avoid them, the more you're going to feel them
1: because
0: yes. it, it, it's your intuitiveness, it's your own inner self. It's the powers above us and everything around us saying nope you got to do this and, uh,
1: and that's why like my avoiding being gay or acknowledging that i'm gay caused a lot of problems yeah. you know for me yep. emotionally exactly. so exactly. right
0: well i am so glad we have this time <laughs> even with the technical glitch that happened and everything folks um one of a very powerful, powerful conversations. And if you want to connect more with Anne-Marie, check out her blog, Letting Go of Fear. And I'll have her website here on the show page so that you can connect with her. And thanks for doing what you do. It's always nice to find my counterpart. <laughs> yeah. I think it's important for people to find the people they can work with.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: not everybody can work with everybody. And that's why I felt very compelled to, you know, when I started doing this work, it's like, mm, I, yeah, I can work with some women. Mm -hmm. But I really want to work with some guys, right? Because the guys were, you know, and now it's, it's, it's constantly shifting and changing, but it's a beautiful space to be. And I love that you do the same work and that you're out there helping others realize you're going to be okay.
1: Yes, and the reason I do this work is people need to find their tribe, yes. and that's the thing. That's the really another thing we didn't talk about, but we do need to find our tribe and find people that get it. And so it's nice talking to you, Rick. Even though you have, I mean, your perspective is male. It's real a lot of similarities. Oh about, yeah, we, we like like we we both get it because we yes, both done we this. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're so welcome. Nice for being here, Anne Marie, I really appreciate it.
0: All right, there you have it. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end, but that's okay. We're going to be back in just a couple of days sharing more stories, tips, tricks, and wisdom for helping you live your life uncloseted. And you know what? You can share it too. Just take a few moments, if you like, and if you believe in this podcast, and share it with someone you know today. Share it from your phone. Go share it on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you are. Maybe even give us a rating and review because you know what? It's all about the planet living their life uncloseted. I'm Rick Clemens, host of the show and the guy who helps you make those big, bold moves. And I hope you never stop stepping out, stepping up and stepping in to living your life uncloseted. Catch you real soon. Take care, everyone.